Hello everyone, welcome to the Breaking Uneven podcast. We love to talk shop, uncover the beauty of failures and play a few games. Today we have with us a true multi-talent, Heinrich Rouge. After six years at McKinsey, Heinrich went, to, uh, went on to a fashion economy and then set up Home Learning, an educational platform to help students with success in their early career. And now his latest stint is in the prop tech space. He's giving true justice to being a c- consultant. Have we missed anything noteworthy from your journey? Thank you for the warm introduction, Janvi. It's a pleasure to be here, part of this show. Thanks for inviting me. Very much looking forward to the conversation. I think you did an excellent job summarizing what I did so far, and I trust we might deep dive into some of these aspects you know, in the next 60 minutes anyway. Yes, sounds good. So let's start with yeah, a quick little game. Cool. So to start off, <clears throat> we play this thing called the Twitter Pit Challenge. So Twitter is known for its 280 character limit on every tweet, which sometimes makes it a little difficult to convey your thoughts. And it takes about 20 seconds to speak 280 characters. So we're going to transfer this challenge to you to give us, to explain to us what form learning is in 20 seconds, but we won't make it so easy. You also need to use one emoji and one hashtag in your tweet. So I'm just going to put on a timer and whenever you're ready, I'll, I'll start it. Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. Firm Learning is an educational social media platform, emoji, thumbs up, to help you succeed in the first years of your career in any ambitious career path, hashtag lifelong learning. Lovely. That was under 15 seconds. I mean, wow. Very, very well done. Oh, thank you. Too kind. <laughs> Um, so yeah, before we get uh, deep into form learning, uh, I wanted to kick off to learn more about your time at McKinsey. And if you would like to like summarize your time there in like three words, what would it be? Well, it was um, insightful. It was intense, and it was great. Three words. <laughs> you have it. Yeah, no, that would summarize, I guess, most consulting careers, but um, you said great. So then what made you leave McKinsey and go into like the fashion industry? Yeah, I mean, I said great, surely not every single day, not every single week was great. (laughs) Surely there were times where you were just asking yourself, why are you doing this, right? Why are you putting this on yourself? I think that's um, not uncommon and I trust most people in, in this profession feel like this than there are the other weeks, the other days where it just feels great. It feels like you can move mountains, right? And it's amazing what you and the team and so on can accomplish. Um, that's part of it. I mean, six years, I think, is probably quite a long time in consulting. To be fair, it was interrupted by an MBA edit uh, in the meantime of it, but still longer than most people do. At some point, I did feel like I got lots of the learnings. I kind of feel like I understood what it's like to be a consultant. Surely then if you progress, continue to progress, new challenges, new learnings come as well. I was a young project lead at the time. Um, The very specific moment that I left was um, rather impacted by some other reasons. So this, I had some family ties to this fashion business I later then moved into, and it was a crisis situation at that business, right? So it was a restructuring situation and uh, that very much impacted the specific 
moment in time why I left at that point. But probably um, even without this, probably half a year or a year later, I would have significantly considered such a transition in any case. Um, and the reason being that um, while, of course, consulting is interesting and exciting and no project is the same and all these new industries, new functions and so on, at some point it does get a little bit repetitive at least, right? So you have at the beginning the project kickoff, then you talk to your team, to the team kickoff, then every week you have the Jofix meetings with your colleagues, with your clients, with the partners coming in, you have the problem-solving meetings every two weeks, is this the echo and so on. So while the contents change, the process... Not always, but to some extent, you could argue, does get repetitive. And at some point, I just felt like it would be great to do something new. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think um, the thing that stood out to me most amongst the three words that you mentioned was intense. Um, and that's, I mean, intense in many different ways. Right? You've got, of course, like intensity in terms of the complexity of the project. And you've got intensity in terms of working hours, the working culture and everything. So was there, I mean, you know, at your time there, all these different things that made it um, so intense. Is that something you thought is a long-term normality with jobs? Or is that something you thought of it as, you know, this is my time to be working hard and working crazy hours. And then, you know, at one point I will move away from this. It was surely the, the letter, right? Um, I mean, yes, working in, in these types of firms is very intense. The hours are very long, maybe not as long as... I mean, surely you can also find some other jobs where they are also even longer, right? <laughs> but it's, it's not, it shouldn't be a race to the bottom, right? It shouldn't be a competition race the longest hours. So yes, in the end of the day, it was tough. At the time, I was in my 20s, so I did an internship at McKinsey when I was 21. I then started at 23. And uh, I mean, at the time, I didn't have family. I didn't have many other responsibilities. I also never really got used to working in an environment where you don't have to work these hours, right? So I think that's that's the truth in any case. As a human, you get used right to things very quickly, right? Like after a couple of weeks, this just feels the, the most normal thing to you and um, you don't even understand why, why other people feel like it's too intense or something like this, right? This may be exaggerating a little bit. Um, but surely after some point, many people then ask themselves, well, you know, maybe you want to have family, you want to have kids. Is it really that great to see only your kids on the weekend? I don't know, right? I mean, some people make the decision that that's okay for them. I don't want to judge that. Everyone needs to decide this for, for him or herself. Um, of course, after doing this for years and years, um, you have little sleep, right? Often the stress levels are quite high. Surely it's not the most healthy career if you really consider doing this for decades. Or to put it differently, at least you need to have very good, let's say, like coping mechanisms, coping strategies to adjust to that. I'm sure there are also people who can do all this uh, with a very healthy lifestyle. But, uh, I mean, I'd say the lifestyle was not my that specific point in time, not my number one reason to leave. But for me, it was also clear that latest when I wanted to have family, um, that probably I needed to do a move. Interesting, yeah. And then when you moved to SOAR, was it something... That I mean, was it a big change, right? Like, was it um, that your hours were a lot more intense and, you know, you had this extra time outside of work suddenly? Um, was there that kind of transition? Of course. I mean, surely it was still an intense role, also in a very special situation, as I uh, tried to say earlier. And, and that was intense in many ways as well. But um, the truth was that I had much more time available for myself, also in the evenings. And that 
potentially also led to me starting the YouTube channel, of course, right? So I left consulting <laughs> end of 2019 and I catched myself watching lots of Netflix in the evening, movies, just you know, scrolling my TikTok feed. And at some point I asked myself, okay, is there maybe something else I can do with all this new gained free time? And um, then I mean, it wasn't a big master plan, but this then this thought at some point just came to my mind that starting a channel might be a, a great idea to just pass on some of the learnings, some of the things I did in the past. And then this was also matched with COVID starting in 2020, where then also people were spending more time at home, more time in the home office and all of this together then indeed was yeah, just a good opportunity at that point in time. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I think we also found you around that time when it was, uh, yeah, it was during COVID, right? So when we started reshape and, um, yeah, it, I, I would agree that, um, when you find like a little COVID especially makes it easier, not easier, but like gave a lot of people a lot more time as well. And like everyone sparked like different interests and tried to like gain into like go deep into like their hobbies and things like that. So it was nice um, to see how so many different people started different things, but like perform learning, especially um, it was really helpful. I would say given that like, I know a lot of people around me that are consultants as well and me being included, it, it, it helps be, it also helps to know that there are other people in similar situations, but also um, like what is the next step? And I think it, it can like give light into like whether that's something for you or not. And like to show it explicitly as to what like your career might look like, it, it's uh, good to know as someone starting out at that point in time. Um, but how did you like manage both like running a channel and having a full-time job? Because you did say you had extra time, but like YouTube and like filming is a lot of work and takes a lot of time with like thinking of ideas, editing it, growing the channel. So how did that work? Yes, absolutely. Um, it was, I think to some extent, always um, kind of what, what I did right from university. Not sure if this was a conscious decision, but I just ended up being there that somehow uh, I just always ended up with needing to work on more things than like actually it would be reasonable for me to do. Maybe I'm just very bad at, at saying no, or I'm just that too passionate about a new idea I want to try and so on. Um, but for me, this always worked quite well in many ways, right? And um, this, I think, is also why, for instance, if you work in, in consulting or so, you're often quite productive in the sense that you often have a quite big output, right? Not because you are the master of time management and you apply the Pomodoro technique <laughs> and use like time boxing in your calendar and uh, look like at any of these other like productivity techniques that you can read from the gurus in the books or in some other YouTube videos. But in the end of the day, I think the main driver is that just you have lots of stuff to do, okay? And if you have lots of stuff to do, then you need to get things done, yeah? And this was... Um, always something that I uh, try to use for myself. I'm, at the other hand side, actually also a big procrastinator, right? So sometimes it's very difficult for me to motivate myself to just sit at the desk to do the things. But then when I have the deadline and when it needs to get done, I then usually do find a way to, to get it done, even if this means I'm working really late in the evening or whatever. And uh, then for me, uh, this was always a good way to then also do some, some great stuff by then just saying yes to stuff and then yeah I do this I do this I do this and then in the end it always somehow works out right maybe not always in the best way maybe then it's like an 80 percent 
correct thing and not the 100% correct thing. But for me, this was always a way that, that worked quite good for me. And like phone learning has always been something you did on the side, like you've always had a job besides that, but like it has been really successful over the last couple of years. So have you ever considered doing it full time or is it always going to be something you do on the side? Um, yeah, I mean, I have considered it also after consulting, I was part of this fashion company. Then after two years in this restructuring situation, we sold the company to an investor, right? So then in, in early 2021, I was out of the company, the whole headquarter moved to like another location and so on after the, the, the transaction. And I saw myself first maybe doing some weeks of a yoga retreat, I don't know, just wondering uh, <laughs> what I want to do now with my life, right? What is the next move? Um, and then, of course, I considered also then going all in on, on the YouTube channel. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm feeling super thankful and blessed that now I'm even in a position to consider this, right? That maybe it's even possible for me to do this. Um, though then I talked to some good friends of mine who I already also know for, for, for many years, who already several years ago founded this startup, which is new, now a rather mature startup, as, as they like to say right here in Munich in the prop tech sector. And uh, it just felt very enticing to me to really move us in this completely new position, learn more about the startup world, learn what fundraising is all about, learn what it really means to be in the leadership position of such a company. And it was just uh, too good of an opportunity to then uh, just go to some yoga retreats instead. So then I decided that more or less without a break, I then directly again transitioned into this role, which was definitely the right decision for me. And the good thing is that um, this is surely not a normal job for me, right? So I know many people very well personally, which also gives me a bit of more freedom that maybe I can pursue some side projects like the channel and like recording this podcast here in the moment, for instance. Um, <laughs> But still, it's, it's for me a great mix, though it might definitely be the case that in, in a couple of years I reevaluate it and then come to the conclusion that going all in on the platform might be a great next step there. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I think uh, what stands out to me from what you just said is, you know, form learning itself is also built up entirely on your like personal experience. like. It's, um, I mean, a lot of the content you put out there is about what you went through and learnings from that. So I think it's, it's kind of useful to continue to have new experiences. So you've got more stuff to share. Um, and, you know, considering that, is, do you think like, cause generally, I mean, firm learning, you know, um, originally is about that McKinsey, Bain, BCG world of consulting and everything. Do you think that over the next two years, it's going to kind of pivot a lot more towards startups and, and, you know, fundraising and VCs and everything, because that's, that's the kind of experience you're getting now. Mm -hmm. um, so for sure, I'm, I mean, already trying and always try to also do a little bit of different content, not just not only talking about consulting. For me, the core um, of the channel always was educational content as in transferable skills, kind of what you would learn in a consulting firm that then you can hopefully apply in other roles and other positions as well, communication topics, slide writing topics, and so on. And this, I think, will continue to be the focus of it. And surely now also the new role enables me maybe to talk about some additional skills, some additional capabilities that now I'm picking up over time, which might be helpful independent of your background. Um, I will definitely continue to experiment with some new topics as well. Last year, I also did my first business angel investments in the startup world. 
actually this weekend I released a new video about that, what that was like, some learnings, uh, some tips and pointers uh, what, that, that might be helpful to you if you're considering a similar thing. So I'm surely thinking about how to expand the content a bit in these areas. At the same time, if you're a creator on these social media platforms, you're always also a slave to the algorithms. <laughs> it's always important to then just um, yeah, see and observe and watch out what actually gets traction and what, I mean, what does it mean if something gets traction? Well, it means whether people are interested in it or not, right? And I mean, you can create the best videos, but then if no one watches them, then it's also kind of a waste of time and energy and to some extent also money. So, of course, I'm mindful of that as well, but definitely looking to expand the content to you. And then, so, in fact, that's uh, <clears throat> very interesting what you said about traction, because, I mean, let's say, for example, a very simple topic of creating a presentation, right? Like, there's, there are things that have been, because I've worked at a consultancy, I know there's, like, you know, certain guidelines to follow. But, you know, let's say every five to seven years, the software might change or the guidelines might change. So how do you, how do you make sure that the content continues to remain relevant? Is there like, are you getting new insights and learnings from somewhere to be able to do it? Or, you know, yeah, how do you make it timeless? So specifically on um, the slide writing topic, I agree that the look and feel of these documents evolves over time. Also, if you're part of these consulting firms and then look back at the knowledge repositories and so on and, and look at how the documents looked like 20 years ago, they surely look different now. So there's some, some evolution in, in the design. Though I'd say that there are some, let's say, underlying principles, right, that actually are not that only, not changing that much. And I, I do try to focus on, on these types of, let's say, core values, which then hopefully you will be able to leverage in the future as well. Um, but of course, right, I stay vigilant, I stay observant. Um, I'm obviously in regular contact with many people working in, in some consulting firms. Of course, also in my current position, we create lots of documents, lots of slides, and uh, <laughs> surely you should never stop learning, right? And uh, that. I do that, but uh, if you always have like a new tip or see something new evolving in your roles, feel free to hit me up as well. I would always be interested <laughs> to hear what, what you guys are finding out. Yeah, definitely. And when you say like, um, yeah, learnings and career related um, things is what you like talking about or educate people and like skills based on that. Um, primarily, I think like you're focusing like either in like consulting or like more finance related or business related um, situations, but like your job has been in like different industries. So is there anything where you go maybe like deep dives on like industry specific things or <clears throat> do you think it's better to keep it more generalized so that it caters to a wider group of people? Yeah. I mean, I would not even consider myself now a deep expert on any specific industry. Of course, now I worked a couple of years in, in retail. Now I'm working a couple, since two years now in the construction um, industry in the firm at McKinsey. Of course, I also worked in several industries. But it's not that I have decades of experience in a specific yeah. industry where I now would want to go super deep. So for me, this idea of talking about um, capabilities, transferable skills, this, I think, is what I want to continue to do, and I will surely also expand my content on that. And this is actually also I'm doing um, corporate trainings for, so this is something also started like two years ago where people approached me, also mainly based on the videos that maybe someone saw 
video about creating slides, right? And then the person said, oh, shoot, I have this team here, right? And I would love them to do better slides. And then I'm working now with several companies to upskill their teams as well. So stuff like this is what I really enjoy, what I love to do. Um, probably there are more people, uh, other people more qualified than me not to talk about the ins and outs of the retail industry, right? Fair enough. Okay, um, so we will now move on um, to the next uh, segment called the red flags. Uh, we're going to give you three situations composed of two things that are going great and then one that's not so great, so the red flag. Uh, we've adapted these like, situations to you and then you have to pick which situation you would rather be in and like tell us why. Um, okay. So situation one, uh, you've got great projects at Building Radar. Um, you're up for a big promotion soon, but form, lo form learning has been losing its audience slowly. Um, situation two, your colleagues at Building Radar are absolutely lovely. Two out of uh, Form Learning's last three, uh, last five videos have gone viral. Um, your company say, but your company says you can't continue doing Form Learning while working with them anymore. Uh, situation three, Form Learning's got an immense international audience. Um, you've been able to set up a masterclass platform for uh, Form Learning. Uh, but your latest review at Building Radar was well below average. So these are like the three situations and uh, which one would you rather be in? Which one I would rather be in? Yeah. Okay, now I see even a slide. So all of these situations uh, are somewhat trying to push me to choose between Building Radar and from Learning, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. Um, I mean, we, we can talk about any of them. I think indeed they're more or less similar, right? So there's this trade-off between um, something, a building radar that needs to get fixed or where I need to maybe invest more time and energy and then uh, at the same time an opportunity or something I want to do at, at firm learning. Um, so, so I mean here my, my overall answer to these would be, again, when I started a building radar, it was very clear uh, what I was doing on the site at, um, at firm learning. So this trade-off for me doesn't really exist in this way. What's also clear is the building rate, of course, is my full-time job. So if there's any, let's say, a conflict of interest, anything I need to get done for building radar in doubt, I will always prioritize that. I mean, it's also my legal responsibility as a full-time employee of the company to do that and to put the interests of the company first. So for that, there's, uh, there's no question. Um, regarding promotions, now, I think, unfortunately, I'm already kind of at the highest <laughs> level working at Building Radar, so that's not really a topic for me. But that's also not my, my incentive, right? So I'm also incentivized on the overall success of the company. So I think the interests of me and, and the two founders are very aligned here. And not sure, is this answering the question? But feel free to ask if there's anything else specifically that you would like to know. Yeah, I think so. Overall, um, what I, I mean, based on what you've said, I think like situation one kind of best describes it that like you would prioritize building radar given, you know, that you've got the legal obligation and everything. And to some extent I did, I mean, if you just also follow my YouTube channel since Q3, Q4 last year, I really lost a bit on consistency. So before that, like every week I was releasing a video now I'm trying to keep up, but not that much anymore. Maybe this is also something to do with in October, 
uh, us receiving our second child. So my wife gave birth, so the second child, which also didn't improve my lifestyle to say the least. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, in, in this sense, of course, um, you know, I mean, building radar again is my full-time job. So of course I'm prioritizing that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, first off, congratulations. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. But yeah, fair enough. I think uh, it's, I get what you mean. And yeah, we did uh, cater the situations to be kind of a trade-off. So like one is where building radar is going great. One is where form learning is going great. And then one is where both are going great, but you have to finally choose. Um, and I think, yeah, you pretty much did answer that question that if it had to come to it, you would prioritize building radar. And that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, and luckily, I don't think you need to make that choice. It's just interesting to see and put people into like those positions to see like what where they would lean towards. Think it like, um, we get to learn a lot about people's like mindsets, but yeah. No, of course. I mean, for me, this doesn't mean that um, what I do with firm learning is not important to me or that uh, I would just easily stop doing that. So that for me is uh, surely not an option at, at this point. It's just that, of course, sometimes um, you cannot invest all the time that you want to invest in everything, everything, every single thing you do all the time. And of course, trade-offs like these are absolutely needed, absolutely. And I think this goes back to what you said about the 80%, right? Like there might be times where firm learning, you can only give it your 80% and not your 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I might be with building radar as well. And that's got nothing to do with firm learning. That, as you said, you've got another child and everything as well. So there are many things that come into play, but yeah, I mean, there are also times that you're always giving it 150%, not 100%, so. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, usually on the weekends, uh, we don't work that much for building radar. That's surely the case. I mean, sometimes, of course, there's uh, important business need, but this is then at least always some time that I have available to work on new videos and create some good content. All right, so Heinrich, this is rapid fire, uh, pretty self-explanatory. Um, but yeah, short one to two word answers and let's say under five seconds for each. So whenever ready, should I start? Let's go. Cool. Did you ever question whether firm learning was worth it? No. What was your biggest sacrifice to make firm learning possible? Surely uh, the time invest, right? So maybe having less time available for other things I'd love to spend time on. Ooh. Do you miss McKinsey? Sometimes, yes. Um, so it's not really an option for me not to go back at this point, but uh, definitely working with these smart people, these war stories that are created late at night in the team rooms. Some great memories for sure. Cool. What is the weirdest place from where you have worked? I have worked in uh, quite a few weird places, uh, so <laughs> places in far, uh, far ends of Europe, somewhere in the middle of nowhere in uh, some rather exotic countries I've been at. But, but I mean, it, it was always a civilized environment, so I, I mean, there are <laughs> far crazier stuff than me, but yeah, I mean, definitely some good memories as well. Cool. What's the best business idea that you will never use? nothing that really comes to mind to be honest so i was always educated in the way that ideas are worthless right so i i don't get hung up on ideas it's all about the execution wow would you ever retire 
I mean, sure, for sure when I'm old, right? So the question is if I'm <laughs> young, whether I would retire, I don't think I will ever be in a position where um, my number one preference would be just to sit at home and watch Netflix the whole day, right? So surely there will always be something that I want to do, but maybe what that is might change over time depending on my financial situation, definitely. And, uh, okay, so would you choose books or podcasts? I'd love to read more books. At the moment, I rather listen to podcasts. Let's put it this way. <laughs> uh, do you prefer an iPad or a notebook? Um, I love this feeling of really working on a proper PC, a notebook, or a desktop PC. So I'm not really this mobile first guy yet. So let's <laughs> Cool. And then are you a morning person or a night person? A night person, though I'm learning to wake up early as well with two little kids. And what's your favorite social media platform? Ah, that's hard, but uh, uh, ups, uh, pros and cons for all of them. But I think I have to say YouTube. Ah, fair enough. And yeah, so that concludes the rapid fire segment, um, bringing us almost to the end of our conversation. Okay. But before we head off, what we do is we ask every guest to ask a question for our next guest. So we're going to ask you first the question that our previous guest gave us, and then we're going to ask you to give a question to our next guest. So your question is, what's your worst nightmare in terms of what could happen um, on a daily basis? What's the one thing that you avoid in your brain that makes you lose sleep, that makes you feel like, man, if this happens, everything is screwed and everything is terrible and the world's going to end. Um... Many things come to mind, but probably here as well as a as a you know, new family father, thinking that anything could happen to your family, I think that would definitely be a nightmare. A nightmare. Fair enough. But yeah, thank you so much, Heinrich. It was amazing speaking with you and overall, like your content and like the way you put things out has been amazing. And I think um, it's very, it's, easy to see how genuine you are about like educating people around you and how it generally people don't necessarily always want to share all like tips and things that they have learned throughout their careers so it's really good that you are doing that and i think a lot of people are benefiting from it so like please continue to do that as well um and thank you for joining us it's been great having you no thanks uh Johnny. super happy to hear the content is helpful of course appreciate you guys interviewing me again Thanks for spending the time with me and I do hope maybe that there are some interesting points that some of you also in the audience were able to take away.